I so needed that. How many needed that this morning? Amen. You know, I really did not feel leading in with how I'm going to lead in, but I feel like we need to hear this this morning, and thank you, youth, for that. But I hate Christmas, just personally. I hate it. I really do. I hate everything about it. I didn't feel like leading in with that, but I just wanted to tell you, I hate Christmas. And the reason why I hate Christmas is because it disrespects my Jesus so much. People say the name of Jesus actually in the holiday, but have no respect and honor for him. So I stopped celebrating Christmas over 20 years ago. My kids have no Christmas presents under a tree. There is no tree in my house. Um, when my wife and I went to marriage counseling, before we got married, not marriage counseling because I stopped celebrating Christmas, uh, but uh, before my wife and I got married, I was very clear with her in our counseling. Uh, I don't need that, sir. Thank you. I, I said to her in our marriage counseling, I don't celebrate Christmas. I hate it. I'll never celebrate it. Is that okay with you? Because our children will not celebrate Christmas. And it wasn't a deal breaker. It's not like if she would have said, uh, I have to celebrate Christmas, uh, I would have said, well, we're not getting married then. I think God could have given us the wisdom to get through that. But she said, if that's what God said to you, and I love you, and I trust you, then I'm going to follow your lead in that. And so over the years, she'll sneak in a little you know, a wreath. That's about as much as I can let her do, a wreath on the... Uh, the stair uh, rail, what do you call it, handrail. Uh, a couple years ago, she snuck in a couple stockings over the fireplace. You may come to my house one year and find a tree, um, and I may be fighting her with it, dragging it out the door to set it on fire. Uh, so I didn't want to lead in with that to be negative or to discourage you from you celebrating Christmas, because I want to explain to you why I hate it and why it's okay if you love it, and then we'll get into Luke chapter 2, so hold your place there. So the reason why I hate it is because I think I saw the best side of it, the best possible side you could ever see. I grew up in a great Christian family. Mom and dad loved Jesus, uh, taught me all about Jesus around Christmas time, went to an amazing church that did Christmas Eve candlelight services, uh, Christmas services. Uh, I probably was in a bunch of these things up here, you know, all throughout my childhood. I don't really remember them. And no negative experience. So if you're thinking like, Man, he must hate Christmas because his parents didn't give him what he wanted or something like that. No, it had nothing to do with that. It wasn't actually until I got saved after being a drug dealer as a high school dropout and Christmas came around and I was saved. I, it was November 5th, 1995 is when I got saved. So when Christmas came around, I was thinking in my mind, there should now be a connection between Jesus and this day and what it means to me to serve Jesus November 5th, November 6th, November 7th, November 8th, November 9th, that December 25th should have that meaning. But I went back around the church and I saw a lot of people coming that I hadn't seen before and then they left right afterwards. And then I said to myself, you hypocrites. 
you bunch of backsliders. Y'all just showed up for my Jesus for one day? Like, like you did my Jesus a favor by coming here? So the anger towards this holiday started to build. And then I started looking around at my culture, and my culture wanted me to enjoy this holiday on their terms and wanted me to, to do it their way. And, and this was their way of doing it. They wanted me to make a central figure, a fat man in a beard, the central figure. They wanted me to go in debt to buy gifts for people. They wanted me to basically be their pawn in a cultural thing they built up to benefit them. And then I hated it even more. And then as I started pastoring, I started seeing the same things now from a pastor's perspective. I would see good families that I was pastoring begin to feel pressure during Christmas time. Like somehow... All of you families are now supposed to have an extra $2,000 in your pocket. Like, that's just supposed to happen. Like, you're supposed to do that. Like, it's just supposed to magically come down around whatever, the day after Thanksgiving. You're supposed to have it. And if you don't, then the guy you work with, he's going to brag about what he bought for his kids and his wife. And your friends at high school are going to tell you all that their mom's getting them. And so I just hate it. I hate everything about it. And so we used to not celebrate anything with it. You would have come here today. It would have been a church service, none of these lights, none of these things. But now let me tell you why it's okay if you love it, and then I want to connect it to what I want to say today because I appreciate the seriousness in here. I really do because this is not um, performance church for me today. Uh, what Melody shared, the young lady, that, that, that rocked me. I want that again right now with some of your lives right now. That's, that's, that's why I, I'm going to tell you why I'm going to preach this message in just a minute, but that was such a confirmation. But here's the reason why it's okay if you love it. Number one, the Bible doesn't say it's wrong to celebrate days for Jesus. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says celebrate his birth, so it's not a command. You're free to make it up and go on as you please. So you're free to make up a day to say Jesus is baptism day and make a day for that and celebrate. The Bible's very clear because the Christians were coming out of Judaism and they had these set holidays that God commanded. And it was very clear that for Christians, they could make their own days and celebrate them as they wished. They didn't have to do the Jewish holidays. But then here was the one requirement for all Christians making their days. They just couldn't require them on other people. And then they couldn't look down on them if they don't celebrate. Celebrated, and then the ones who don't like it couldn't say back to ones who do like it, you're stupid for doing it. So there's a lot of uh, leeway here to make days to celebrate Jesus. So uh, you're celebrating his birth today. We have no idea when he was born. You wanted to use today as a day to do that? That's fine. Now, you'll see a lot of things online that talk about the pagan roots of Christmas. There's a lot of back and forth on that. I don't think that should be of concern because whatever reason you have a tree in your house, I don't think you're making it an idol. 
Whatever reason why you're doing traditions, you're not doing it out of idolatry. So don't let anybody put you under bondage and say, oh, if you have a tree, that means now you're worshiping a tree like they did a, you know, 2,000 years ago. People worship trees and stuff. Your tree is just a decorative thing in your house, and your gifts are not for a goddess or a god or false god, etc. But let me tell you why I think we can get along on a day like today. Can I, can I tell you why? Because I think we still love Jesus the same. I think we still care about what's the most important thing here today the same. And that's why when I started pastoring, I said, we're not celebrating it. I felt like that was a bit unfair because it just happened to be I'm the pastor and I don't celebrate. So why should I make the majority not celebrate? That's not very Christian of me, is it? That's like I'm being Scrooge. I'm like bah humbug. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, come on, pastor. If the Bible says we're not to judge each other over the days, and as long as we're not sinning and we're doing it unto the Lord, why can't we celebrate it? So I said, okay, just, you know, figure it out. You guys do it. And we started figuring it out. You know, we like to have the children do their thing. That's pretty typical. And then the youth got involved, and man, they just really amped it up this time. Super proud of them. Great singing. Love that you guys brought that video and testimony. I mean, just amazing on all accounts. Uh, you know, decorate the church a little bit. And we've tried different things. You know, sometimes uh, we do photos and different things like that. And so I've realized that you guys love it too. But, but here's the thing. I just want to make sure before I get into this message that when this day or season is over, you know, when Christmas is over, that you still keep Jesus in your heart and keep him center of everything you do. Because nostalgia, feeling nostalgic about doing this with your family or doing that is not the gospel. There's a lot of good people that have wonderful family traditions, and if they died, they're going to hell. Sadly, if they died, they're going to hell. There's many people that are generous in this world that love to give gifts, and they're going to hell if they were to die because they don't have Jesus. And there's a lot of good parents that, that did work hard to get that extra $2,000 and maybe you were one of the wise ones and you started buying your Christmas gifts for this year at the end of last year when it was all going on sale and you were just saving up as you went even through the summer when it was 100 degrees in Chicago and you were out working on, on your job, you're saying, I'm putting away $100 for Christmas. God bless you and good for you. And there's people who do that, but listen, they're still going to hell if they don't have Jesus. And so I want you to look in Luke chapter 2 about a gospel that doesn't fit into a Hallmark movie. You see, if all this church service was was something we could have performed at the mall, at one of those things, you know, where they do those pop-ups. You know, what do they call that when people just start standing up singing? Flash mob. Flash mob. If, if everything here we do today could be welcomed into the hip mall, then I have failed you terribly as a pastor. I have to challenge you with the story of Christmas to live out your life for the gospel because it was not meant to do just what we did. That's cool. You can do it. And Jesus allows me to do a lot of things too that you don't have to do. So Jesus allows me to ride my bike. You know my hobbies, rock climbing. Joe B and I, and I had some fun rock climbing yesterday, amen. And God allows you to have hobbies too. And if a hobby for you is celebrating holidays, which just means holy day, and most people don't treat it holy, but that's where the word actually came from. But that's wonderful. But I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. 
If all you're doing is what could fit in a Hallmark movie or, or what you're doing could be appropriately live streamed onto an ABC special, you've missed the whole purpose of the gospel. Because the gospel separates us into the two categories of sinner and saint. The coming of Jesus tells us that the coming of a king is, 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 new, is, is near. That's why, honestly, and, and, and if I am ever uh, taken home to be with the Lord before this can happen, and there's a young child here that wants to carry on this legacy, would you please do so? I would love our church to start a holiday called Maranatha Day. And instead of celebrating his birth, we celebrate his second coming. And instead of having pictures of Jesus in a manger, we have pictures of Jesus on a horse with a sword dipped in blood. And instead of giving presents to each other, we give each other rebukes and we teach each other the gospel and we tell each other to repent. We give each other the truth. And, and we, we demonstrate then our faith on that day called Maranatha Day with Jesus on the white horse as our symbol with the blood-stained sword. Feel free to draw it anytime this week and post it on my Facebook. I'd love to see that. And then we go out and win souls for Jesus. I would love in my generation or before I go to meet Jesus, that Maranatha day, which means uh, in Aramaic, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, that that day would surpass whatever this was meant to be on this day. Because Jesus coming in a manger was temporary, but Jesus coming back as the ruling king is forever. That was just for a time and a season. And when we get into Mary's song, I want you to hear, especially my powerful female sisters in the house. How many sister soldiers do I have here? Amen. Y'all soldiers for Jesus, sisters. Amen. Amen. So we've been in a series about the prophets. We're going to talk about a prophetess today. Believe it or not, most of you maybe never knew this. Mary was a prophet. And so by definition, a prophet is someone who hears a word from the Lord and speaks it and that word encourages us. It can also be forth-telling. Hers is, and it comes to pass. And some of what she's saying about is still coming to pass even now because she didn't just give a prophecy. She gave a prophetic song. She sang a song that the Lord put in her heart. So let's go to Luke chapter 4, uh, Luke chapter 2, rather, in our series on the prophets, thus says the Lord, and let's learn Mary's song. You guys have heard the story already today. Uh, now, by the way, let me just say this. How many understand that I love talking about the birth of Jesus, though? Amen. I hate Christmas, but I love talking about my Jesus. I love talking about how he came to this earth. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the most important scriptures of my personal life, all scriptures important, but one of the most important scriptures of my personal life is John 1.1 and then the passage to 1.5. Many of you have heard me quote it. That passage of understanding the deepness of my God and who he was before creation and how he came into the earth is life transforming to me. I believe there is power in meditating on it and hiding that word deep within our heart because it, it, it makes us, uh, you know, we feel so alone in this big world and in an outer space, the earth is such a small little marble. But when I understand that God's got this whole thing under control and that he even came in the flesh for me, it makes me feel so near to my God. So I just want to remind
remind everybody of that. I hate Christmas, but I love talking about the birth of Jesus. I really love that. So you, you have permission to talk to me about the birth of Jesus whenever you want, as often as you want. And also, you have permission to celebrate Christmas around me. I just want to say that too. I'm not weird about it. I love seeing the little sweaters and the little lights on, uh, you know, some of the brothers John's sweater back there. I, I am not a weirdy. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? It's like it doesn't offend me. It's like, oh gosh, I hate that. You know, that's just not, I'm not on that level. That's not, I'm not on a petty level. Does everybody get that? I'm not on a petty level. It's just, it's just here in my heart what you like and what you don't like. And you're free to like what you don't like, to, uh, like what you like and don't like as well. Okay, let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse 46. Perfect setup, guys. Adam, we did not even talk, and you said everything for me. I, I was actually going to put a part of my introduction about the story of uh, Mary meeting uh, Elizabeth and, and John leaping in the womb when, G, when Jesus came with Mary. You know, Jesus is a little baby in there. And when John, you know, felt the presence of the Lord come, John leaps. I was going to talk all about that, but it's already been done. So after Mary meets with Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom, she then sings out this prophetic song because what God did for Mary at that moment was confirmed to her that this was real. All she had before that was an angelic visitation. And I know for some of us, we think if we saw an angel, that would settle it. But come on, you would probably question if you had lost your mind. You know, like, man, am I crazy? Did I really see an angel? So just to pause here, there's no evidence for God that will ever get across your doubts unless you're willing to submit to Jesus. Even people saw uh, uh, others raised from the dead. The Jews saw John, the, uh, John uh, rather, Lazarus raised from the dead in the book of John, and they not only still disbelieved in Jesus, they then wanted to kill Jesus and now John, who got raised from the dead in front of them. So there's nothing that will convince you of God doing something in your life if you're not willing to humble yourself and trust him. So Mary is just like us. She, she's probably doubting in some ways what had happened, though she's trusting and believing as much as she can. So when she runs into Elizabeth and there's this confirmation right before this verse, it says, blessed is, he who, uh, blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise. And so that is exactly what she was doing now as a confirmation. She's going to believe the promise, and then she sings this out right here. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. It says, "His holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Can somebody say amen? amen? She sings a prophetic song that cannot fit into a Hallmark movie. She sings a song of world domination. She sings a song of hope that the winners win and the losers lose. So if you've been 
persecuted, don't give up because you're still going to win. And if you're a loser now, you can change to become a winner. But you better make that change now. Did you get all of that in there? Because it says right here that she blesses the humble, that God blesses the humble and does all these great things for him, but th- does these great things for them. But then it says in verse 52, he's brought down rulers from their thrones. How do you bring down a ruler from their throne? You just ask them and they just come down? No, you bust their kneecaps. You drag them right out. Do you understand that? You see the picture that she's saying? She's saying he's, he's coming busting kneecaps. He's coming yanking people out of their positions. What else does she say? She says the hungry get fed. That's amazing. The hungry are going to get fed, but guess what? The rich are going to be taken away empty. Do you know that right now in the world we're considered the rich? Oftentimes we look at the people in the Bible and we see the rich person being talked about in a certain way and we can easily go, man, I don't want to be that guy. But then all of a sudden if you do a survey of the world's population, you are that guy. You are that person. You are that person that it's harder for you to get into the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Why? Because you don't need to pray about being sick. You just go to the doctor, and you think the doctor's your God or at least your healer. And you don't need to pray about who you're going to date or how it's going to work out for you because you've got Tinder or you've got Facebook. You've got all these options. And you don't need to rely upon God for your daily bread and your sustenance. You've got a job. You've got an education. And you don't need to believe this Bible according to what it says, because you're smarter than this Bible. And you can stand above the Bible and judge it and look down your nose upon it and take what you don't want out and leave the nice things in. But you see, this Bible says that it's the humble that are blessed, the mighty that are torn down. This Bible says through Mary that it's the hungry It's the desperate that are filled, but it's the rich with the banquet table that are cast out starving. And the Bible says that this is what he does to keep his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I want to go through these things quickly. I have them up on the notes. You can uh, see them on the app as well. I want to go through her prayer quickly and apply it to our life. Number one, she glorifies and rejoices in the Lord. How many want to do that today? Amen. That's why we're here today. We are going to always rejoice in Jesus. We're not just going to rejoice in Jesus today because our culture now said this is a day where we do it. No, we're going to do it every single day, December 26th, December 27th. Come on. We're going to rejoice in God. Why? Because he has been mindful of us. The incarnation of Jesus shows us that he cares about the sinfulness of this world. He's going to fix it. That's what Christmas means to me when we think of a birth of a Savior. Is that, If you're going to celebrate, that's what it should mean to you, is that it's Jesus coming in the flesh. He's taking care of the humble. That's why he's born in a manger. That's why he's not born in a palace, because he's showing us I'm not playing favorites here. I will start off from the bottom, and then I'll come to the top. Amen? Started from the bottom, now we're here. Come on. And he's going to bring everybody with him who's willing to take up their cross and follow him. So if you're going to praise God and rejoice in God, you've got to be willing to follow that same path that Jesus did. Give up everything for him. Serve him. 
While we're right now just thinking about what gifts we're going to open up and what we're going to do Tuesday, Chinese Christians are, whether or not, are thinking whether or not they're going to be in jail because they have cracked down even more these last few months. One pastor, Jared, put it up on my Facebook page, please, his letter. He wrote a letter before he went to jail. Check it out on Joe Y. Rostick's Facebook page if you want to read it. Jared's going to post it right now. He wrote a letter before he went to jail. He's in jail right now. They're putting bounties on Christians in China right now. And so what they're doing is they're praising God, not because they have this bonus and they, they can spend some money here or do these nice things over here. No, they're praising God because they know God is mindful of them. God is mindful of them in a Chinese jail cell right now. And God is mindful of you. That's why we praise God. We praise God because he cares for us. The psalmist said, who is man that you're mindful of him? We're just but dust of the earth, yet the creator of the universe cares about us. That should give you something to praise God about. That's why I say to parents all the time, and it's an old joke, but it's always good to say, you should just give them one card under the Christmas tree, just one card. That would be it. Test them. Go ahead and test them. Put one card underneath there. They open it up, and they, and they open it up, and it says in the card, this is your gift. You will have electricity this year. You will have running water this year. You will have food this year. You will have clothes this year. You will have your freedom this year. Thank you very much. And if they don't rejoice, take away some of their treats then. Because we don't know how to appreciate the basics, do we? Why do you think you deserve anything? Why do we think we deserve one more thing? Man, we don't deserve nothing on this planet. But God has been good to us. We should be grateful. We should be thankful. We should see that he cares for us. She shouted it out, sung it out. She said, you, God, have been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Your servant, God, is who you're mindful of today. And so I want to encourage you, be a servant of God and rejoice in his goodness. My children don't need Christmas. They're blessed all the time. They're blessed. All, they don't need it. I'm not saying anything wrong with you doing it. I'm just saying don't feel sorry for my kids because they can't give it away fast enough what they have. We don't need more things. We need more praise. We need more humility. We need more understanding of who God is. So don't feel sorry for my children if you see them as they're coming in today. Don't go, oh, Dito, I'm going to buy you something. I feel so bad for you. Your daddy don't let you celebrate Christmas because you know in their minds they want to. So I give them as much freedom as I can allow to do whatever they want, you know. And, and you may, I'm going to buy you some. No, no, they don't need that. When you see my children, give them the gift of your example of praise. Give them the gift of your example of humility. Be humble around my children. Show them that you love God. Whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, you love him because you know you don't deserve it, but he looks upon you and loves you. Everybody say amen to that.
The second thing, thank you, that she remembered was her legacy. She gave a shout out to the future. And that's why it even is here today in our scriptures about her story. And this is where, you know, we give the Roman Catholics a hard time, but we don't want to go to the opposite side and disrespect Mary. Mary is a blessed woman. She was an awesome example to us, a prophetess. So just because we don't pray to her, just because we don't put statues of her in our house doesn't mean we don't honor her. She is one of us. She is our kindred. She is our people. You belong to the lineage of Mary. That's your great, 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 great grandma or aunt because spiritually, that's your people. Amen? And, and so we honor her. And what it says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. How many believe Mary is blessed? Amen? For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. We're still calling her blessed today. See, when Melody tells her testimony, if Mary was here, come on, somebody, and Mary was sitting on that front row, let's say Jesus has already died, resurrected, and she would hear a story like Melody testifying, Mary would say, that's my Jesus. (laughs) Oh, he's still doing what only he can do. That's my Jesus. Because Mary understood that even though she gave birth to the child, the child was still her savior. So we don't pray to Mary. We pray like Mary. And Mary prayed to Jesus. Amen. I don't need her to pray for me. I just go right to Jesus. One time Mary and the, uh, Mary and the mother of Jesus and some of the brothers were around. They were trying to get Jesus to stop preaching. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm not going out there. And they said, oh, that's your mother and your brothers. And Jesus stopped and said, hey. Let me tell you who my mother and brothers are, everyone here who does the will of God. So that's why I say she's our people, because God says if she's doing the will of God, she's in the family of God, amen? And if you're in, uh, doing the will of God, you're in the family of God, so she's your people. Now, she's not any part divine. She's not anything more than human. She's just a normal woman that got to do something awesome for God. But here's the thing. She called out to the future and said, hey, future, you remember what I'm doing here. Because I'm about ready to get scorned by my family for being pregnant and unmarried. They're going to think Joe and I were hooking up. That's Joseph Short. Come on, my full name is Joseph, amen. The Joe and Mary are hooking up over there. They're, they're, they're troublemakers. Let's kick them out. She knew she was about ready to face persecution. She knew that whatever this Messiah was going to do, some people weren't going to like it. Come on, we know that she's preparing for a journey of hardship. She probably doesn't know where it's going to lead her. She's definitely not predicting, I'm going to give birth in a manger next to a horse. I can tell you that. But she shouts out to her future and says, future generations are going to call me blessed. I want everybody to close their eyes with me right now, quickly, quickly. And should the Lord tarry, I want you to think about this. Come on. Should the Lord tarry and 100 years have passed by, And the earth is still going on, and we're still waiting for Jesus. But everyone here has passed, let's say 150 years from now. The world is still waiting for Jesus. We're not here. Close your eyes. And I want you to imagine they're around your family or around a dinner table. Think of Christmas. If you want, think of a Christmas dinner table. And I want you to imagine what they say about you, their great-grandma, their grandma. What are future generations going to say about you? Come on, I want everyone that has children here 
to imagine your children in their 40s and 50s sitting around a table with grandchildren saying, oh, if you just would have been around for, for this time in my grandma, your grandma's life, my mom's life, if you would have seen what she did, if you would have heard what he did, what would they say about you? Now open your eyes with me and ask yourself a question. Are you willing to pay the price like Mary did? I can't hardly think about that without tears coming down my eyes. I have dreams. Some of y'all are going to be parents one day, and you'll get this. I have dreams, literal dreams, of me walking into my living room and seeing six adults around that table or in the couch and me saying to them, was it worth it? And they can look me in the eyes and go, yes. I, I, I want to ask them, was it worth it me bringing you to church every Wednesday? Are you glad that I did? Was it worth it that I kept you from the friends that maybe you wanted to hang out with in the neighborhood? Was it worth it that I stuck with you through your hardships? And how, was it worth it to you because I paid a price for you? so that you could have what you have now. And I know, listen to me, I love pastoring a multicultural congregation, especially a lot of people coming from other countries here. My wife's parents came here from Greece, and they gave up everything to start from nothing. My, my father-in-law uh, was a factory worker, a janitor. My uh, um, mother-in-law works at restaurants, busing uh, tables, so that her daughters, their two children, could have a way better life, way more than they ever had. I love that. But listen to me. Your legacy cannot just be dad worked for me. It can't just be dad. Dad gave me a car. It's got to be mom showed me Jesus. Mom showed me how to live for the Holy One. Dad led the way. Dad led the way and broke the curse off this family. People are now blessed because of what dad did. Are you hearing that today? That is powerful. She spoke to her future, and she says, generations will call me blessed. Somebody speak to your future and say, generations will call me blessed. Come on, say it like you mean it. Generations will call me blessed. I mean, can you imagine it? Use your imagination. They will call you blessed, and they'll say thank you for setting the path for us. And I, uh, the third thing that she did here is that she feared God. See, not only did she fear the, the, the God of judgment, which is good, like, man, if I do something wrong, I'm going to hell, but she feared missing what God had for her. See, I want you to understand that the fear of judgment may not be a reality to most right now, but the reality of a fear of the Lord should be missing what he has for you. I talked about this a little bit in my Facebook post, and I made a video. You can go check it out. Many of us don't trust God in this moment because this moment is seemingly okay. We seem to have it figured out, but we don't understand that in 12 months, we're going to face something that if we don't have God, will break us. And so God is saying, trust me now. Trust me now when you got five G's in the bank and you finally got your car. Trust me now that you're getting married and your family's coming to you. Trust me now because over here when you lose your mom, if you don't have me on point, you're going to walk away from all of this. And he's saying, trust me now. And that's why I say to all y'all, you don't know how many problems God has already saved you from just by being here. 
just by being here, just by showing up every single week and being faithful, you don't know how many things God has kept you from. So I say that to us because we should fear God and understand that if we don't put him first, there will be hell to pay. Look at what it says. His mercy extends to those who, what? See, look at, look at that phrase. His mercy extends to those who, what? Fear him. It's not his mercy extends to those who just say something nice about him a couple times a year, you know, kiss the cross. No, it's not that his mercy extends to just those who are pitiful. Boy, you're so pitiful. God's going to have mercy on you. No, 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 no. His mercy extends. His hand of mercy extends to those who fall on their knees and go, I am nothing without you, Jesus. Because you could be a homeless person still bucking up against Jesus saying, it's your fault I'm in this place. So just being homeless, not having anything. You could be dying of cancer, fighting against God. So your circumstance doesn't make you humble in any way. Because I've seen proud poor people. I've seen proud sick people. I've seen proud ugly people. Are you listening? What makes a person humble to receive the mercy is when they bow before God. So rich man bow before God. Poor man, bow before God. Cute person, bow before God. Ugly person, bow before God. Because that's the only one that's getting the extension of God's mercy. And then it says from generation to generation. So there's that theme again that we're setting ourselves up for generational blessings. And she said, and I'm so happy Melody said that. Next thing, she proclaimed God's mighty deeds. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. What they were expecting was the Messiah to come within just a few years of David, if not in David's generation. They had been waiting for over a thousand years. And if you think back to the time of the first prophecy of the Messiah coming in the Garden of Eden, when God spoke to Adam, uh, uh, spoke to Eve, he said, you, uh, your, 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 your child will crush the serpent's head, but he will strike his heel. They might have thought it was going to happen just in a few years after them. But certainly after, and that would have been 4,000 years of waiting, because it goes 4,000 BC to the time of Jesus, now 2,000 years afterwards, 6,000 years of human history. At the very least, people were waiting 1,000 years for the Messiah. At the very most, 4,000 years. When she is saying, you've performed mighty deeds, she really means it. We look back on the cross now. We look back on the birth of Jesus now, and we go, that's just such an ordinary thing. We know all about it. It's like watching a movie where you already know the end of it. You're like, just, no, no, don't, don't worry about this. Don't worry about this. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. But, dude, if you've never seen the end of the movie, you're wondering what's going to happen. And so imagine being people at this time not knowing what it would be like to have Jesus, not knowing what it was going to be like to have the Holy Spirit poured out on them. And she says, man, you are awesome. What does that mean? She had faith to believe before she saw. She was saying, I just got him in my womb right now, but it's going to be amazing. 
You have got to trust God when all you have is just a little seed of faith of what the future holds. If you can just hold on to that promise, you will see the fruition. Because when she's singing and doing all that, she doesn't see the miracle worker yet. She doesn't see him dying on the cross for sins yet. She doesn't hear all the teachings yet of the second coming and all that. But she knows God is a mighty God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. The next thing that she does is she proclaims God's justice. She celebrates it. So some of y'all who just think Mary was, was, you know, just some nicey-nice woman that didn't have any backbone to her, you don't understand. She was a warrior for Jesus. She came in the line of the other prophets. She stood for righteousness, and she understood if you ain't right with God, baby, ain't going to be good for you. She understood that because this is what she says. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Woo, come on. She said, God knows what you're thinking. And he will scatter you if you're proud. Woo! <laughs> that's, that's Mary. See, that's the Mary of the Bible. That's what we need to say to this culture, don't we? If you're proud in your thoughts, God is going to scatter you. Shoot! 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 Get off this earth! Shoot! Go! 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 Shoot! The Bible literally says he will scatter us like chaff. Wheat comes with a little skin on. It's like a little leaf around this little wheat kernel. And when the, when the guys would get those wheat things, they would shake it up so that this little chaff would come off the seed and just, just go right with the wind. Just be scattered. God said, that's what the wicked are going to be like on judgment day. Like how you, you sweep things off your porch or you sweep. That's how God is just going to there, there goes the wicked. There, there they go. There go governments. There, there, there go the proud. There go all these wicked entertainers. There's no discussion. There's, there's no more time of negotiation. It's just a, a scattering. And then the Bible says he has brought down. Get down. Get down. He has brought down from rulers from their thrones. You get down and Trump and bow your knee. President, dictator of China, get down. Do you know what that looks like? Have you seen movies when a king defeats another king and breaks their kneecap, pushes them down on their knees and forces their face to the ground or does something like you saw in 300? This is Sparta. That is our God. He says, you are scattered. See, we always just think it's the devil. No, it's the devil. Remember, Matthew 25, the devil and his followers. You were never meant to go to hell. You were never meant to follow that traitor. You and I were supposed to have enough common sense and conviction of the Holy Spirit to stand on God's side. But sadly, people don't. And this is what will happen to them. They will be scattered and their knees will be busted. But then look at what the next thing says. But... But he brings up the humble, the one who's bowed down, going, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. I'm nothing without you, God. All that I have is from you. Holy is your name. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who, who is to come. Oh, hallowed be your name. Oh, Father in heaven and in earth, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Oh, come on up, son. Come on up. 
and he lifts them up. Do you see what she's saying there? You're proud, you get brought down. You're humble, you get lifted up. Which one do you want to be? Somebody say humble. And then she remembers about the hunger for God's presence. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. Can I tell you why many of you are empty right now on the inside? Everybody look up at me. I'm going to save you $400 of counseling this week. Listen to me. Can I tell you why many of you are empty? Because you're not hungry for Jesus. That's why. I'm sorry to say it. I love you, and I want you so badly to be full. And if it was just a counseling session, if it was just a pill, I would tell you, but I want everyone to hear this. You're empty because you're not full on Jesus. And you need that. You need to hear that. You've chosen your boyfriends, your husbands, your wives, your job, your career, your education over Jesus. And it's like eating dust. And it only makes you more thirsty. It only takes away the pleasure that you had the last time. You want more. You think it's working, but it's not. You say next time, next time, next relationship, next job, next time. And God has already given you the solution. Just get hungry for him. I don't know what your day is like, but I think everybody has time in the morning to start off their day going, I'm hungry for you, Jesus. I want you to show up in power in my life. The Bible says, let's earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. You're supposed to wake up going, God, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, God, on this earth. Your will be done as it is in heaven, God. God, we're going to go to the deli today. We're going to bless people with good food today. God, may your kingdom come. I'm hungry for you, Jesus. God, I got to go answer calls. God, I got to go lay down concrete. God, I got to go up 100 floors up and build this building. But God, I am so hungry for you. I drive in this car and my heart is on you. May all that I do bring you glory. God, I'm on this commute, but I'm listening to worship and I'm setting my heart on you, God, because I know no matter how many bonuses I get, no matter how many accomplishments I have, no matter what I do with my family and my children and vacations and Christmas, God, I'll be empty without you. But God, you fill the hungry with good things. Fill me. Fill me, Jesus, over and over and over again, Jesus. Fill me till I want no more. Fill me till I go to sleep in your blessings, waking up, speaking in tongues, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus, because the rich, and that doesn't just mean you got a Billy or a Millie. The rich, the ones who think they don't need it, the ones who say, I'm full, I'm good, they go away empty. It's just like how we meet them when we preach at Prosser High School. Hey, man, you got some time to talk about Jesus? No, nah, man, I'm good. I'm good. Listen, no, you're not. If you're not being filled on Jesus, if you're not being filled with his love today, you are not good. And then the last thing, let's get, uh, is it Rachel or Vinny today? Rachel, come on up here, Rachel. Thank you. She recalled God's promises. At the end, she said, he has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful, merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Why do you think she had to bring up those folks right there? 
because those are her people. Abraham was promised that the Messiah would come. He would be a part of those blessings. When, when, when Abraham died, you know how many children he had? Two. One he shouldn't have had, Ishmael, outside of marriage with Hagar, his servant, his maidservant there, but one child of promise, Isaac. That's how Abraham died. Abraham never saw Moses. Abraham never saw David in the mighty kingdom of Israel, but he was the founder of Israel. So if you just want to know a quick timeline of history, it goes Adam and Eve sin and mess up, you know, Cain and Abel, their kids, have that, you know, issue Cain kills Abel. Then a little bit later comes Noah and the flood, and then the world starts over, which is Noah and his wife and their three children and their wives. And a few years go by, and then God calls on Abraham to start the nation of Israel, this chosen people. Then Abraham has Isaac, and then he, then Isaac has Jacob, and Jacob uh, has the 12 tribes. And instead of them starting a nation, even at that time, those, those brothers get brought into Egypt, and within a few years, they're taken as slaves, and they stay there for 400 years. Then after the time of slavery, God raises up Moses. Well, really, during the time of slavery, God raises up Moses to get the people out. They then wander the desert for 40 years. Moses only sees the promised land, doesn't even get to live in it. Joshua comes in, conquers the land, and then Joshua raises up the next leaders, but they keep turning on them, and so they ask for a king, and then King Saul is their first king, and then David is their second king, the famous David, you know, one who wrote the Psalms. And then they turn against these kings, and Solomon is the third king, and they turn against them, and they split off Solomon's kids. One starts at ten tribes, the other one has two tribes, and then that's a divided kingdom. And then from there, prophets raise up to try to bring back Israel, but they never listen. And then eventually the ten tribes, they get taken into captivity by Assyria. A little bit later, the two tribes get taken into Babylon. That's where you hear the story about Daniel and the lion's den. The reason why he's being thrown in a lion's den is because he's captured a slave as a child, brought to Babylon, but he won't worship their God. They tell him to stop praying or they're going to feed him the lions. He keeps praying. Come on, somebody. They throw him the lions and God spares them. His, his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are spared from fire. And then a few years after that, the prophets get out their last words. And then God goes silent for 400 years. And the next thing we hear is John the Baptist coming, saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And this is what you're reading. is right before Mary gives birth to Jesus. And so she goes, I remember where I come from. I remember the price that's been paid by all these before me. And that's why you and I, we've got to put ourselves into their lineage. I know we can do these things, you know, online now, find out your history, that's cool. But I'll just be very honest with, with you. I could care less who I was in Italy, my people, in Poland. I, I don't even care. This is me. But these are my people. I trace my lineage to them spiritually because Jesus is my God now. An Italian, a Roman, a, a, a Polish, you know, European worships the God of Israel a small nation. I worship the Messiah of Israel. Are there any other nations represented here today worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Then if you're doing that, listen, listen, then you've got, you've got some, some reasons to trust God. 
Because if he was faithful to Abraham, he'll be faithful to you. If he was faithful, come on, somebody. If he was faithful to Jacob, he'll be faithful to you. If, he'll, if he was faithful to Moses, he'll be faithful to you. If he was faithful to Daniel and Elias, then he'll be faithful to you. It doesn't matter what you have gone through. If he has been faithful to Mary, he'll be faithful to you. If he was faithful to these disciples in this Bible, he'll be faithful to you. And if he's been faithful to you, he'll be faithful to your children. Because that's what you'll hand down as a legacy, is you'll say, you know what? Our God has been good. He's been taking care of his descendants forever, just as he promised. Somebody say, just like he promised. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus as we stand. Thank you, Lord. We love you today. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Hallelujah. Just like you promised. Band and altar workers, would you come please? Just like you promised. Jesus, we ask you now to come just like you promised into this room and change lives. If you're like me in some ways, you don't like Christmas, but for other reasons, maybe you've had a hard time growing up, or maybe it's just not a time that you feel close to anybody. I want to pray for you right now. Come on up here if Christmas is a hard time, if you've lost loved ones during this time, or if Christmas is hard because of what you didn't have growing up, I want to pray for you. You're not alone. God is with you. Amen. This is awesome. Start to pray for her, please. Anybody else? You just feel Christmas is hard. You feel Christmas is hard right now. We're just going to pray. You feel the love of the Father. How many of you are here right now and you want to be delivered from the greed of Christmas. You just, you, you, you know, you, you're not going to be as, as, as extreme as me, but you want to feel like you don't have to spend that money. You can just focus on Jesus and maybe get your priorities right. Can I pray for you too? Come on up right now. We'll help you get straight. Does anybody here just say, man, I want to put my priorities straight right now. I want to be free from having to feel like I got to spend money on this thing. Anybody? Come on. Bless him. Bless him. Don't worry about it. You don't need to have a gift this year. Give the gift of humility. Give the gift of love. Don't let people make you feel bad. Don't feel left out. God is in this place. How many of you right now would like to experience the power of God? You just want a fresh touch of the Lord. You're hungry for Jesus, and you're kind of feeling like you could just get right now some fire from the Lord. Come on up. I want to pray for you because I'm not just doing church here today to remember a man who died or came to earth and died. No, I'm talking about a man that's still alive, the God man. So who here wants to feel a touch from Jesus? You just say, I want to feel a touch from my Savior. Come on up right now. You need a touch from the Lord. Do you know the song, Come Like You Promised? No, it's like, Would you come come like you promised you know that come on who needs a touch from the lord anybody else there you go you got it thank you thank you lord touch her today fill her up today in the name of jesus in the name of jesus in the name of jesus we'll dismiss in just a moment but i sense the lord doing some great things here you're never alone you can come to our house for christmas if you want to you're never alone Praise God. Hallelujah. Those who are hungry for the Lord, just worship Him. Worship Him in a few more moments before we go.
But I want to pray for a few others just as the Lord leads. Come like you promised. Jesus, pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit. And won't you come and come like you promised? Pour out your spirit. Pour out your. If you've got lost family members, you're going to see this week, and you want me to pray for you that you can preach to them. Come on, join me up.